let's pray for Rachel now. Yeah. Mm. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here. And I pray now that you will breathe on Rachel and fill her. Lord, speak your words through her. Father, give her courage and conviction as she shares. And we pray for the glory of God to fill this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Just wait for the inevitable surge of nervous energy to... Shake down, right. Thank you, God, for your presence today. Thank you that your spirit is here. Your presence is with us. There's nothing else that um, compares. There's nothing else that we desire as much than your presence, Lord God. And just thank you for it with us today. Thank you that you're um, that you're for us. That your heart is towards us. That your smile uh, and your um, your love covers us. That your banner over us is love. Thank you for the peace and the confidence that that brings, Lord God. Thank you for the freedom that's found in your presence, the fullness of joy that's found where your spirit is, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Good. Well, we won't worry about too much preamble then. I'm not good at jokes anyway. (laughs) If they're not funny, I get halfway through and go, oh, what's the point? And if they are funny, I start laughing and no one can understand me. So (laughs) it's true, right? It's true, yeah. (laughs) So um, God's glory... Um, we're looking at the end of Exodus after having a look through Exodus and all of that um, ups and downs that we, the children of Israel, went through um, through that time and coming to the end of Exodus in chapter 40 we see the glory of God fall, cover the meeting place, um, fill the tabernacle to the point where even Moses, who was known as the person who was someone who went face to face with God, couldn't even enter um, um, which is amazing. And I just like that sense of that glory of God is something that we just so, as Christians, um, long for and desire. And the reason for that, I think, is because that means he's there, right? Um, he comes, his, his presence, his glory comes. It's a part of him. It's not separate. Um, you could you could almost say God is glory in the sense that it's not separate from him. Um, he says, I am the Lord, that's my name, and I won't share my glory with another. It's him, part of him comes with him, and that's why I think we, um, you know, all those songs, show me your glory, bring me into your presence, let your glory fall, you know. We're not just after it for the sake of it, because we know it comes with him. 
Um, so the Israelites are at the foot still of the mountain of Sinai, I think, at this point. Um, they have done some interesting things in the last few months, <laughs> built their, built their um, own idols and, you know, had all kinds of things. People have died. <laughs> you know, it's like it's quite full on. Um, but they're actually still there. I don't, I, when I reading back, I didn't quite realise that, that they're actually still at the, at the foot of the mountain of Sinai, which is sort of the site of all those other um, things that we've heard about over the last few months. Um, and Moses has just set up the tabernacle, and then that's when that, that uh, passage at the end of Exodus sits there. Um, so glory, majesty, fame, honour, great beauty, all these things um, make up glory. Um, and even without God in our worldview, uh, we have, I think, a hunger, a, a human hunger for glory. We have like a natural kind of homing beacon for glory. Um, we'll pay quite highly for it. Um, we'll even give up a lifetime of sacrifice and hard work to get sporting glory, business glory, wealth, um, achievement. You know, we have all kinds of sayings, no guts, no glory. We're willing to pay for it. Um, we like to bask in reflected glory. We like to be around it. Like, it's really quite a bizarre human phenomena, the whole selfie with a famous person. Like, why is that even a thing? And yet you can't help going, even if you're not really into that. Oh, I saw someone famous, you know. Oh, I stood there where, the, where so-and-so stood once, you know. Like, we have that in us that recognises that idea of fame, glory and honour. And we want to be near it. We, we, will, we will pay for it if we feel we've got the cap- capacity for it. Um, you know, like some of us are like, well, I probably won't ever be in the Olympics. But, you know, if you feel like you could, people will pay a, a large pr- price for that, um, personally, and um, uh, you know what they'll give up for it. Um, we we want to cover ourselves with glory, but we don't actually wear it that well. <laughs> we we'll easily sacrifice too much. A lot of people will get to that point and go, oh, "I've sacrificed family and love and lots of stuff to get this glory, and I've got it, and it's a bit empty." Or we it kind of implodes on us, or we put it on things which can't hold it, each other, basically. We're like, that youth, beauty and talent, that's glory, and we'll worship it, and then, and then it sort of can be uh, destructive. And like sometimes people don't even ask for it, but we're like, you're famous, you know, kind of thing. Or you're, you're, you've, you've got what, it's, what it is, you know, you know, you've got what it is, this, this glory that we're after. Um, but I think as Christians, at least at some point, we realise, hopefully, <laughs> that it's God's glory that's going to... Um, that's real glory, you know, that's lasting glory, it's not transient, it's not self-destructive, it's, it's a glory that um, has that thing, that, that life, that freedom with it, that healing underneath it, all these things. Um, and sometimes we, uh, some people seem to be born with that, like they're just, they're, you know, they're, they're, they don't really muck around, they're just like God is where it's at. Some people, we try all kinds of things and think, well, maybe this is where it's at, um, this glory thing, and then we come back to realising, or maybe... We spend a life uh, without God and then we find it and go, oh, oh, finally, you know, this makes sense. This is it. This is the glory that is what I've been searching for. Mm-hmm. Again, not as it's, not as an end in itself, but because it comes with the person of God. Um, but it is something we long for one way or another. And I think as a church, you know, again, those songs, that history, that 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 um, the thing we long for in his presence to see his glory come. I just, you know, I think you've got that. <laughs> got that now, it's good. Yeah, good. Um, the, 
thing is, we don't always know what to do with it because we long for it, but it scares us and we hunger for it, but we know it will change us um, and we know it will take us places that we don't know how to go. Uh, and I really, um, I think that sometimes, or it struck me that sometimes that, de- that our desire is, as I'm talking as a church now uh, and as Christians, I guess, or as, um, yeah, um, as Christians, so speaking to Christians, um, that fear can sometimes create a superstitious ap- approach to the glory. Yeah. And um, any sort of, psych- I should have checked the time. I'm saying five minutes so far. Um, any psychological student who does any kind of behavioural psych will know the name Skinner most likely, B.F. Skinner. Um, he studied operant conditioning, which is where, uh, which is behavioural psychology where, um, you know, something happens and then that creates a behaviour and why and they will use pigeons and rats because our brains work basically the same way. In, the, in that regard, hopefully we've got other stuff going on, but in, in that simple, simple reward behaviour, you know, kind of um, idea is actually mostly how we work. Um, so randomising rewards, in this case food obviously for the pigeons, creates accidental connection between a ritual and a favourable outcome. And that creates a repeated behaviour is what um, Skinner was one of his um, big findings. So so what this means is that uh, they would train pigeons to do certain behaviours on purpose and they would train them not to do things. So usually it was like a feeder and it would light up and that meant there was food in it and if they picked it, they would get food. So they were looking at how could they create repeated behaviours. But they also found, and this really, um, um, does that make sense? I'm sure you guys are quite intelligent. You look intelligent. Um, uh, the, the thing that really struck me back uh, when I was studying Psych 101, um, that superstition was easily created by randomising. So whatever the pigeon was doing at the time of getting a food reward, they just kept doing that. So they were just like, if they happened to have a leg lifted up, you know, or they were scratching under their wing or they were picking something when food came, they just kept doing that. So you had this bunch of pigeons all doing random things because they thought that's what brought the food. And it was actually the hardest behaviour to untrain from the pigeons is what's going to found. And I was just like, oh, that's so intense and interesting. So... I think that sometimes in our desire to see the glory of God in the church and in our lives, we're a little bit like those pigeons. <laughs> like we're just like, oh, I lifted my leg last time God moved. Maybe I'll do that, you know. I fasted for exactly 45 hours and that's what will get God to move. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, it also creates superstition outside of um, finding God's glory. I think we just do something. You're like, no, I must always wear my lucky undies, you know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but... <laughs> But it's actually a really hard thing to shake off. Um, We want to see God move. We want to see His glory and feel His presence. So we think about what happened last time the glory of God fell on the church. What happened last time we saw revival? What happened last time I saw healing? Or um, I heard this happened over there one time or, you know, and it's good to learn, obviously, and there are things that create the environment where God's presence or will create an environment where God's presence can't come, obviously, if there's corruption and hatred and fighting and, 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 you know, all that kind of um, nasty stuff, God's glory is, you know, there's something, there's things to work on for sure, but it's not about getting this exact um, little superstitious mix of like, if we have this many songs or if if we're all on our face on the carpet for, you know, a week, that God's glory will surely come then, you know, or if I... um, if I pray for my, you know, for my friend every day at 10, 10 a.m., then God will, you know, save them or things like this. Um, and that actually, to understand that, I think it helps give us freedom because 
um, we don't have to think that is something we have done or haven't done um, that is creating the glory of God in our lives or in the, in the church. Um, Moses, if you read back to the start of chapter 40, he spent a lot of time doing very detailed um, setup of the tabernacle, everything perfectly in its place, everything uh, exactly so, which seems to kind of contradict that whole idea of not getting things perfect. But I think that the repetition that you see after everything where he's done this thing, but it was as the Lord commanded him, and there's that sense of peace and confidence, I feel like, through that. Like he's not going, oh, did I, should I move it to here or should I do this? He knows exactly what God's told him to do. And that's why he's doing it. He's not doing it because he thinks if he places the table to the north side and sets the bread on it, then the glory of God will come, you know, regardless. He's doing it because that's what God told him to do. Um, and I know all that stuff will have meaning because God's in the details. He just, um, we spent some time watching the Queen's funeral and how... Everything was perfectly placed and it had meaning and that was actually super cool. So it's not that it's like, well, nothing means anything, you know, but it's just like that's not what brings the glory of God. It's the obedience. Like we heard this morning, God's love language is obedience. So and Moses was, I just feel like he was quite like, he's just like, I know what to do and I'm doing it. He wasn't going, maybe if I do this. He was like, this is what God's told me to do. He's confident um, and he's just obedient. And we can have that confidence before God. Um when I grew up in my house, we had a rule that if you chopped something that everybody wanted, food, obviously, usually, uh, not an animal or something. <laughs> we weren't quite, anyway, so those stories all aside, now remembering chopping it, no. Um, uh, you broke it, the other person got to choose because that made it fair. Because you know with kids, right, and probably us as well, if we can get away with it, if you break something, you keep the big half and you offer the small half. And that's like, a, you know, that's a... Not a great thing, but I feel like that's what God's done for us in our preparations to meet with him in a good way where he's actually given us half to do, but he's kept the big half for himself. Absolutely. Um, Because he, uh, what he's given us to do to meet with him now after Jesus' blood um, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets. So all these books and books of details. That, that like It's like three books, isn't it? Of details of what to do so that the glory will cover the meeting place. Uh, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So our half is just to love God and be obedient and he's done everything else. And then that meeting places open to us, which is amazing uh, and freeing, right? Like I really think that's uh, something that's come through this morning and that God wants to do is that freedom of knowing our half is the small half. It's that obedience of a heart that's obedient. What does he require of us? Who can ascend to the hill? Clean hands, pure heart. You know, it's so, I mean, obviously we know it's big, but it's also so small and um, amazing. Um, and so, sorry, lots of ums, but, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's cool that we can just share. Um, so the glory of the Lord, something we desire, something that we can try to uh, find elsewhere and something that we can try to superstitiously uh, make happen, um, but that's not how God set it up. Um, so we want that glory uh, to fall 
another tendency, other than to get superstitious, is to um, head out ourselves and not wait um, for that glory and not wait for God to move. Um, so the cloud came and the Israelites stayed there and waited. Um, if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. Again, simple. Our part is simple. Um, it's interesting, I remember reading Isaiah 50, verse 10 and 11 for the first time few, quite, a, quite a few years ago and thinking that's just so interesting because it talks about having no light and trusting in and relying on God in the darkness. So often these verses about God illuminating and that's true, that's what he does. But also sometimes we're like, what the heck is going on? And this particular verse is quite scathing towards people who light their own fires and provide themselves with flaming torches, which you're like, well, but like, actually God is like, do not go. <laughs> um, it's not going to go well for you, you know? So that waiting, when, is, when we see his glory and when we feel his presence, waiting to see um, is important. It's that obedience again. Um, we have always tried to clothe ourselves if we've felt inadequate since Adam and Eve. Um, we've always tried to, or, you know, had that uh, urge to light our own way and, and find our own way and go, well, we'll just go and, and um, but to actually say, I'm not going to go unless you go is, is quite hard um, and not a natural place for us um, because we want to see things happen. But I have been given a word from the Lord. It's not really. Um, extremely accurate word for anyone, all of us that are waiting on that glory, that are waiting for God to do something, for waiting to see what to go ne- where to go next or waiting for healing, waiting for all these things, um, about how long exactly that's going to take because it's going to be longer than you want. <laughs> that's exactly how long it's going to take. Otherwise, it's not waiting. Um, and sometimes God is like, before we even ask, He's given us things. But when we're waiting, it's always going to be longer than we want. It's just, it's, that's just how long it's going to take. Um, I have a friend who was building a house bus and, uh, for a family to live in, and she was living in a house, and then she was going to move in. And she's like, no matter how long it takes, I'm just prepared. It could take two years. You know, that's supposed to take a year. It could take two years. You know, I'm just not going to be that person who's like, oh, it's longer than I wanted it to take. Anyway, about... Two and a half years ago, she was like, it's longer than I wanted it to take. <laughs> I think they've moved in now. But that's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's, uh, we want it to be, have done, we want it to have been done. We want God to have moved. We want to have seen something yesterday. Um, but there's something we learn in it, I guess. Um, and also, to be fair, sometimes we don't want to wait. We want to make something happen. Um, yeah, so, and also sometimes it is time to go and we don't want to go. <laughs> Our tent is in the right spot. We have stuff around it now. We've got things we don't want to leave behind, but we know we can't carry, you know, so it does go both ways, but um, often the waiting is, is the hard part. Um, cool. So the, the, the oh, this is going to be short, cool. Um, <laughs> the, I do think there's some things to pray about, though, this morning. So we've got heaps of time for that. Um, I'll just check that I've covered. Yeah, nice. Um, so at this point, Israel was about to wander for 40 years. That was their next step. <laughs> Great, isn't that life? Um, but I love how Exodus ex- literally ends 
Um, so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. That's so comforting, right? During all their travels, something that they could all see uh, through all of their travels. So all of our, our, in some ways, our wilderness years, which is kind of living on this planet, maybe. I don't know. Is that, I don't know. That might be not theologically correct, but it can feel that way. Um, and there's something in our sight through all our travels, so ups and downs, all the stuff that they go through uh, over the over the next time. Like I think that, like we understand, we want to see visual, uh, uh, tangible signs of God's presence. We do, but we also know that His glory is with us um, at all times in all our travels, and we're not alone. We're not uncovered. Uh, we're not empty has filled the tabernacle. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of places in the Bible where the tabernacle is, is our heart represents the tabernacle, our meeting place with God, and he's filled that um, completely uh, and that freedom to know that our part is just to come and meet with him and wait and trust him and have confidence um, and then it's his part of the relationship to come with his glory and his promises that he will. Um, yeah, you, O Lord, are a shield around me, the glory and the lifter of my head. We don't need to create our own. We don't need to uh, bargain or arrange things with God. Um, and we don't need to worry too much. We just have to obey. And then in his time, because we don't control him and we don't um, manage him, um, we just have to trust him, then he will do what he's going to do. Um, Because he's separate from us. He's not actually something we've constructed (laughs) in our minds. He's actually a person. And it's his glory, and he won't give it to anyone else. (laughs) Because no one else deserves it, and no one else can handle it. Um, I think that this this morning there's a couple of different things. Like I'm not, I'm working on and not worrying too much about anything thing. Um, But I think that there's some things this morning perhaps where we can, I think actually just, uh, James might want to do some other stuff as well, but where we can actually just do some um, low-key business with God, if that makes sense, where if we feel like we have, like, like uh, you know, like adult business, <laughs> you know, grown up, like no one's going to come and like make this happen, but you can think, I have had superstition where I've thought if I just keep doing this, um, or, or I can control God by doing it this way and just this much kind of thing, or arrange things this way, the bones and the entrails this way, no, um, then God will move in my life or I'll see what, um, wants, what I want to see happen or that, that, that's what we need as, the, as a church. Um, we can also, uh, so there's repentance there and there's also freedom there where it's actually like God can come and speak to that fear that it won't happen. And he's like, it's okay, I, I, you know, this is a part of me. If I'm here, my glory is here. Don't need to worry about creating that. Um, The other thing, is is the is the waiting, 
I guess, in the, that obedience. Well, like, yes, that's right. The, um, the commitment to obey him really is what covers, covers that. Well, there's that. Um, the, a recommitment to obey him, to wait, to not go until he says go. And then when he goes, on the day it lifts, we go, you know, personally and as a church, like that real commitment to wait for his glory um, and the, the freedom that that brings. And then I think also to um, ask for his presence as well. I feel like there's a third one. That's why I'm wandering a little. Definitely those two things. Maybe just to make sure we have uh, swapped our glory um, for his, because that's a, a, a constant... Um, yeah, a human, a human thing to be like, oh, let's cover ourselves with leaves or let's light our own fires. So maybe just to make sure that we haven't been doing that. Yeah, that's probably the third one. Um, yeah, so lighting your own fires, not good. <laughs> Superstition, um, tiring and um, a waste of time, but also can be a hard work on yourself because it's putting the responsibility on you instead of letting God take that responsibility. Uh, and and the waiting, the waiting. So those three things, um, yeah. Um, perhaps we can have some music, and then if people want to deal, even where you are, all come up to deal with that. And then if there's anything further, then um, for the Holy Spirit, perhaps James can lead that. Uh, yeah, cool. God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you. For the half that you did, it's such a huge half. And you've given us just that tiny little half, as we remember today, just to accept it and then to obey you. Um, We thank you that your glory is with us in all our travels. And we just ask for your presence to be here now as we just um, ask you to speak. God, I ask you just to speak to our hearts over the different things, Lord God, that we've talked about this morning that might be um, something that we want need to put right. I know that um, for me, I get very superstitious in my approach to you where I think I have to have done this right. I have to, you know, put everything in order in order for you to um, meet me, but that's not what you say. So Jesus, I just thank you uh, for these words and I just pray that as we come to you and set these things right with you, that your presence would be here and that your glory would be felt. Yes, so if you want to, um, just turn your attention to God and and the state of your heart around those issues now. If you want to come to the front. Stand or kneel, or if you want to um, be in your seat and, and, and do the. And just also, I am increasingly feeling that just to uh, take half a second just to say that if you haven't ever encountered God's glory or you feel like you have actually just been away from Him or never come to Him in the first place, He's so willing to receive you. The blood and the body was shed and broken for you and your sins. There's a place for you at the table, no matter what and no matter who. 
uh, to come. You can talk to anyone here or you can in your own heart say, Jesus, God, what if you, this person that I can feel in front of me, I accept you and I want to follow you. And that's, he will accept you with so much love. So I just want to make sure there's that there too.